and we had a bright night. It's just wonderful to see what the Lord is doing and how he's building something bigger, um, but not just numerically, but something deeper within us as well. And so hopefully there's going to be, um, people are going to make that big pilgrimage from Lurgan to Portadown this Wednesday night. Um, there's even a bus coming, imagine that. They're, they're, they're coming over in their droves and um uh, we we want the people in Portadown, you who are finding home here, to make them welcome and uh, put your arms around them here. And uh, we're going to just have a night of prayer and worship and intercession over the city. We said 7.45, so it gives us 15 minutes to have a cup of tea and coffee and to get to know some people. So if you can, get pretty prompt for that. That would be great because it does love a, leave a lovely um, natural way of just engaging and getting to know some people. That would be great. There's a, a, a gathering just this Saturday for anybody that's interested in just developing in worship or in the worship teams. It's Saturday coming from 3 to 5 p.m. here. We would love you to help in any teams if you'd like to get involved. If you weren't here last week, there's rotas at the back for certain teams and practical serving and um, worship kids ministry stuff and things like that and we would love people to get involved so sign up if you haven't already just just to help us serve debbie's going to come and do just a quick announcement here on us the sisters conference coming up and then i'm going to introduce roger to us good morning everybody um yes sisters conference is going to be coming up friday the second and saturday the third of february um, this is specifically for girls and for young ladies who are kind of 16 to 21 age. Uh, yes, I'm going, of course. I fit into that age gap. Um, so it's going to be a really special time where we just really want to bless these girls with the presence of Jesus. Um, lots of seminars looking at things like body image, relationships, mental health. It's a very real conference where we're really addressing stuff that these young women and these girls are really finding very difficult and the things that the world throws at them. So it's unique in the sense it's looking at realistic challenges. So 20 points, including your food, which isn't too bad. So eventbrite.com, if you go on to that, and it's going to be in Emmanuel in Lurgan. All right? Uh, no. Thank you very much, Debbie. Thank you for that. Come on, Rog. Um, uh, we're going to. Uh, Roger's going to come and speak to us, and then we're going to have communion this morning to finish. Um, it's our first time having communion together, so we're looking forward to that. Let me just introduce Roger to you. Some of you will know him. Most of you probably won't. Um, Roger is um, a great friend. He's been traveling with us uh, for a number of years now. Um, Roger uh, helped set up the. Uh, uh, helped plant and pioneer a church in the south coast of England called Revelation Church, and which all sorts of wonderful things sprung out of over the last, whatever it is, 20, 30 years. The first 24-7 prayer room... Was, <laughs> yeah, the first 24-7 prayer room was in uh, Revelation Church. Also helped pioneer the Fusion Network among students, which is all over the UK, and um, has done a brilliant job in those and managed to successfully hand them on, which isn't always the case in church life today. It's something we always really, really admire. And so he's helped us a lot in leadership and transition. He's now leading the Boiler Room Network, which is all the different churches and small missional communities that have been planted in some of the most broken places around the globe in 24-7. So he's used to inputting into lots of different churches, and it's great to have him with us uh, today. He also is a keen fisher. Owns his, own, owns his own lake, has his own fishery. So if you're into that, you can, you can uh, 
talk to him about that afterwards. There's always there's always one that's in the fishing. Let me pray for Roger. Can we do that? And um, then let's hand over let's hand over to him. Lord, I just thank you for um, your spirit with us. Thank you for Rog, Lord. Thank you for the word that you've put in his heart. Just let it flow now by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give Roger a good porty down? Round of applause. Well, stunning to be with you uh, over this period of time. Had some fun with a group of leaders down in Newcastle over the last couple of days. And then... uh, Hanging out with uh, your elders yesterday morning, which was great fun. What a, what a great bunch of people. What a great journey they've been on together. Uh, unique to have a church that has such life and growth, but also uh, such depth and longevity in terms of relationships at the core. So it's, it's a pleasure. I go into lots of churches and work with lots of teams, and there's filthy great elephants in the room and uh, all these kinds of things. Uh, but it really wasn't like that. Excellent, excellent time. So what fun. And we've got this morning, uh, this evening and tomorrow morning before we dash back home. I was asking myself a question. Uh, what do we have uh, to offer Porter Down? Which is, <laughs> you know, we've come here for a reason. What is it uh, we have to offer Porter Down? And in my, I, my mind came to the God story, if you like, the, the mission of God uh, throughout uh, salvation history. Uh, we're doing, going to do a little sweep from Genesis through into the New Testament this morning. And it seems to me uh, that we are here to communicate the life of the God who is the empowering God. You know, we are in a world where there's talk about power sharing, empowerment, empowering minorities, all of that kind of scenario. But we worship and we love the God and we know the God who is the God who empowers. And I believe he wants to capture that. He wants to capture us to capture something of the essence of what God's power is like. And he wants us to receive that power in our own lives and our hearts so that we are empowered. And that as a community, we become a community that's full of God's power, the right type of power that goes out and then brings transformation into the world about us. That is what we are about. And when we look at power, we have to start looking at the nature of God himself. There's all sorts of images of God, aren't there? Uh, You know, in different religions have a different view of God. Uh, So for some, you know, Alawakbar, God is great, this distant God who is powerful. And that's the first thing that we say about God. But when we look at the God of Scripture, that's not the sum total of reality. God is not just great and powerful. The, The predominant heart of God that we see through Scripture is that God is love and perhaps holiness. And his power comes out of that. And so when we look right at the beginning of Scripture, we see this beautiful three-in-oneness in God, this mystery of the Trinity. Um, you know, you Celts have got the lovely woven cord and all of that, that mysterious thing that goes round and round and disappears into itself. And that's the nature of the Trinity. So right at the beginning of Genesis, you look at creation. How does power flow? The Father speaks. The Son, the Word, comes. The Spirit hovers. Creation emerges. Glory goes back to God. We've got this circular thing. You know, we celebrate Christmas 
the incarnation, when Jesus came, what, what happens? The Father sends, the Spirit hovers and overcomes Mary. And Jesus is born, who gives glory to the Father. We've got this wonderful circular thing. You've not got the Father dominating the Son. You know, you've not got, and then you, you see the ministry of Jesus, the life of Jesus. What happens? Jesus only does the things he sees the Father doing. He does them by the Holy Spirit, not in his own strength. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He gives glory to the Father. And what does the Father do? He exalts Jesus to the highest place that is above every power and every dominion. Wow, this is amazing. Imagine a corporation running like that. Imagine a marriage that runs like that, with with love that flows from one to the other and back. Yes, the Father and Son are different persons, but it's one God, this beautiful unity, this beautiful flow of power. And so if you want to understand what it likes to be empowered and to feel power in your life and to have power, because we all have power. Some of us, you know, we feel pretty powerless in certain areas, don't we? We feel broken personally. We feel we've been robbed of power. Maybe we're controlled by other things that are outside us. You know, maybe in our lives there are all sorts of things going on that we cannot control for whatever reason. Um, And we look at our community and we think, well, we can't fix this thing. (laughs) Uh, and, And so maybe we feel powerless Yet God wants to empower us. God wants to give us his power to change our lives so that we can move forward. But that power comes in love and service and humility. So you look at the story of Genesis. I don't know how many of you have ever looked at it this way. Quite a few theologians do. And what they see in the story of Genesis is that whoever wrote it is trying to make a contrast to all the other stories of creation that were around at the same time in the pagan religions. It was very, very common to have this kind of creation story. So what happens is the gods, you know, usually these sort of pagan deities, what they do is they, as they create the earth, they put an image, humanity in the image of God, an idol in the centre of a temple... And that idol is connected with a king or a pharaoh or a priestly caste who then outworks power on behalf of that deity, usually by oppressing them and destroying them and, and, you know, setting men against women, all of that scenario. That was the typical thing. You you look back at ancient civilizations, Babylon and all that, it's kind of like North Korea revisited. You know, power of that kind of type. So then the writer of Genesis comes along and says, well, actually, what we've got here is God, who creates his temple, which is the earth, the whole of creation, the beautiful earth. And what does he do? He puts his image, literally in the Hebrew, idol, humanity, right in the middle of that temple and gives them his power and says, Go forth, multiply, steward the earth. But notice that power doesn't just go to one idol or a priest or a king. That power goes to men and women. It goes to everybody. What an empowering vision that God in his creation 
gives dignity and rulership and kingship to every woman and to every man. And together they are created to live out his loving, serving, wonderful rule, just like the Trinity has always done, will do, and in the future will come. So that's, we see wonderful power. (laughs) Woo! It's brilliant. But things did get slightly lashed up. (laughs) You know, humanity declared independence. And the moment they stepped away from God and stopped to listen to God's wisdom, a virus came into the system. That virus is called sin. And since that day when humanity caught a cold, power has gone down the pan. And so immediately after the fall and sin comes in, we see the creation rebelling. You know, the the actual earth itself kind of rebels against it. You know, (laughs) you see this creation is rebelling against me at the moment. I'm on the move. Let me just pull my platform back. There we go. See, the creation rebels. There we see that. Um, You know, human beings become captives and victims. You know, rather than rulers, they become subject to all kinds of things. And we're like that, aren't we? Addictions, fears, all of that kind of stuff that comes in. Human beings become powerless. And, but, you know, governments then, instead of do- doing things properly, they create things like Babel. You know, BJ Boris Johnson, now let's build a, you know, stuff the NHS and the poor. You know, this great vision of Babel, let- let's build a bridge over the channel. You know, it's, you know, the vanity of governments. You know, millions of pounds wasted on projects, <laughs> computer systems, things like that. You know, and, and, and that's what happens. Power becomes, it's no longer this serving power. It's, it's a power that's corrupting and breaking the earth. You know, darkness comes in and suddenly brother is set against brother. We have division all of that stuff. And now power, instead of being spread amongst everybody, is now, some people don't have it, and those that don't have it are generally crushed and broken. You know, the poor, the refugee, all of that kind of thing. And those that have lots of it are usually corrupted and destroyed by it. You know, the whole message of Lord of the Rings, you know, who can hold the power, you know. <laughs> and and that's, that's what we see in our world. And, and so God comes in Jesus to do something about this. But in the Old Testament, you kind of see how God's going to do it. You start to see how God could use an idiot like me, uh, coming from the wrong side of the track with no Christian framework, whatever, and can get hold of me where I am and then use me in a totally different way that I wouldn't have anticipated. How God can get hold of, you know, obviously you are a fine-looking group of uh, young women and men and some who are a little older, you know, a motley crew like you, uh, could get a hold of you and actually use you powerfully. Because as you look through the Old Testament, God shows us what his power is like. Because he chooses Joseph over his brothers. He chooses Moses, the baby in a basket, over Pharaoh. He chooses 
Israel, the ones that were in slavery and completely victimised without a place, without any power, without any economy, without any ability to have a family life, broken and alienated, he chooses them over the power of Egypt. Unbelievable. He also chose David over Goliath, so he had a great sense of humour, you know. It has been said that the first, you know, thing that came into Goliath's head was the stone that David propelled into it. You know, he wasn't the brightest of individuals, but that's what God does. God takes the boy and slays the monster. And and that's a prophetic message for us, not that we're going slaying anything. We're going serving it, serving everything, which is kind of what Jesus did. Turn the whole thing upside down, all the right way up made it much more like God, much more like the Trinity. And so we have Elijah and the prophets and daft things like that, you know, where God chooses ridiculous things, you know, ridiculous people and does these transforming miracles and and uses power in a completely different way. And so, so we come to Jesus. That wasn't a bad little summary, was it, from, you know, God who was and is before time through creation into the fall and into the Old Testament and we've got to Jesus all in 10 minutes. Come on! (laughs) Who says this Bible is complicated? Well, it is. (laughs) But, you know, simplicity comes the other side of complexity, as a good friend of mine once said. And so Jesus comes on the scene and how does the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords arrive? Well, we've all done the Christmas thing. Now, my view is the incarnation is for life not just for Christmas. You know, it's rather like the advert for dogs. You know, the dog is for life, not just for Christmas. You know, we live the incarnation all the time round. It's not just a little mythical story that we celebrate at Christmas. So when Jesus comes, how does he come? It's the king. You know, the, the stars point to him, the prophets see it, the seers come to it. But where is he? He's in a, you know, he's in a stable. You know, and, and it is ridiculous, isn't it? The whole thing of pile, uh, you know, getting such a lather over a little baby in the middle of nowhere that's not going to do anything. But So when God's going to come, that's what he chooses to do, to come in vulnerability with the power, the powers against him, everybody against him, a little baby whisked off, thank heavens, praise the Lord for the angels, go this way into Egypt. Rather rapidly, please. You know, but God, look, you know, I can come in humility. I can come in vulnerability. I'm more than able to protect my son. We can get this job done. But he comes in humility. That's the Jesus style. And so we have the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. <laughs> the poor in spirit get, to, get authority, they get to reign. Different kind of kingdom, this kingdom, isn't it, really? It's, it's, it's not the kingdoms of this world, is it, <laughs> really? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Try, try that one on, on, you know, Wall Street in the city of London. You know, the meek will inherit the earth. You know, in there, you know, the meek get trampled and trodden in the crowd on the way to the... <laughs> yeah, slightly different. Yeah. But in God's economy, that's kind of what happens. The meek... You see, God has a different economy. The meek inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. They will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. And out of that, we get to be salt and light to the world. So Jesus comes and he kind of presents a whole 
different thing. You know, he, there's a, a headline today, you know, about some spiritual leader buying a Learjet, you know, but, uh, and I mean, Jesus seemed to prefer the donkey, didn't he, really? That in and of itself is an irony. Jesus comes in on, on the donkey. So we've got this upside down power. And so when, if we want to sum up what Jesus was about, it's Luke 4, 18 to 19. You know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Here we go again. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not just me. I'm not doing this. I'm doing my father's business. And it's the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he is here to bring sight to the blind, liberation to the oppressed, freedom for the prisoner, Elevation for the poor and this new economy, Jubilee, the day of the Lord's favor uh, in the Old Testament, the redistribution of wealth that happened at the end of the 50 years, a new Sabbath of Sabbaths. And that's what we're, we're doing, aren't we? We're coming in to turn things upside down. The spirit of the Lord is upon us. We're coming to bring sight to the blind, liberation. How on earth are we going to do that? Well, it's going to be rather like the feeding of the 5,000. Like, we haven't got an awful lot. We get there. We give, what, we give what we've got that seems completely ridiculous and irrelevant. God comes by the Holy Spirit and multiplies it. And before we know it, God is doing stupid things. And everybody's asking, how the earth did she or he manage that? And the only answer that we can say is, uh, it was God. You know, I, I sat, sat down over a curry with one of the, my friends that I've known for, well, since the age of about, well, I mean, he was, I, my first memory of him was him in, him in the toilet crying, mum, mum, and his mum coming to wipe his backside. That's, why, that's how long we've known each other. And, and, and we sat down and we had a curry with our boys. Our boys are the same age and they, they think they had this funny thing where they went to university and on their first day of university, they didn't, I didn't know that the, my friend's son was there and they didn't know each other. They went into a lecture that they sat next to each other and they connected and they became really quite good Fred's right from the beginning uh, that they didn't know that we knew each other and then th- th- and then a few days later the, this, uh, this this other guy said to my son is, is your dad's name Rog and I go yeah yeah he is I think he was my dad's best man <laughs> and suddenly you know that is bizarre isn't it so we went out for this curry together and this guy that knew me all this he says Roger how have you have you managed to do all the things that you've, you've done? Because it's really confusing. You know, I'm a first-generation convert. And my dad was, you know, Cockney, inner city, youngest of eight or nine, um, you know, sheet metal worker, you know, never, never done anything outside the norm, never get, you know. And it's like, now, I don't get how, you know, you're obviously quite bright. You do a lot of theology. You've done all these different things. You've got a business. How, how do you do all of those things? You must have been really clever all along. I just said, look, there's only one thing I can, the only one thing I say is... Jesus. <laughs> you know, when, when God comes and the Holy Spirit comes, we get a lot more whole. We get a lot more smart. We get a lot more secure. We suddenly find out all the things that are hidden in us, that, that the brokenness of our history of God. And then God gives us a few more extra things. And, and then suddenly we, we get to start walking on water a little bit. It's not walking on water for God, but it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like walking on water for us. It's like where Jesus came, didn't he? As Lord, he came in power. It was great humility, but you know, he calmed the storms, didn't he? Did all that kind of stuff. He reversed nature. You know, I am the Messiah. Nature. You know, and then we get to kind of follow in those footsteps, and suddenly we calm our storms. We start to walk on our waters, if you like, and and, and God does incredible things. 
all in the midst of humility and brokenness. <laughs> Just like Jesus. Jesus didn't come as this big, you know, I've made it all. I'm not, I'm not saying triumph here. You know, I'm not saying we're all going to be triumphant. You know, blessed are those that mourn. But somehow this miraculous, loving, serving power of Jesus has this powerful effect. And of course, Jesus goes to the cross, which was very confusing as well. You know, Jesus, why don't you raise up the rebels and go and smash those pesky Romans and bring your kingdom? You know, that's what, you know, the sons of thunder thought, you know, John and all that. They thought that's what Jesus was going to do. But Jesus said, look, you know, if you want to be great, you need to be my servant. You need to be my, you know, you used to be a servant. You need to become a slave if you want to, if you want to see this kingdom thing happening. And, you know, Jesus goes to the cross. They thought it was all over, but that was just the beginning. So Jesus breaks the power of ungodly power by laying his life down on the cross. And, you know, just when the powers of darkness thought we got rid of him, you know, Rome thought they got rid of him. <laughs> you know, the religious powers thought they got rid of him. The devil was rather hoping they got rid of him as well. And that, that finally the victory has been won in that humility and in that empowering, in that laying his life down on the cross, there came the most incredible victory. Where Paul says, you know, he made a public spectacle, you know, which made he made a bunch of idiots out of all the rulers and powers and whatever, everything that's out there, Jesus completely embarrassed them. In his, and then in his resurrection, pours out the Spirit upon everybody. <laughs> in these last days, my Spirit will pour out upon all flesh. Oh, rather like the creation. Isn't it funny how it all works together? Suddenly, the Spirit's on everybody. Everybody gets to come to the party again. Everybody gets to receive the, the life of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the life of the Spirit. And, and we get to experience this new creation that Paul says. Wow, we got a new creation. we got a new humanity. And guess what? It's the church. And you know, again, the Roman Empire looks at the church, useless bunch of, you know, uneducated, a few, you know, started with a lot of Jews, then a load of Gentiles, bunch of losers. Well, I'll tell you one thing, they didn't know what to do about it. All through the ages, you've got emperors saying, we don't know what to do with these Christians. They look after their own poor. They look after our poor. They do all this stuff. We hate them, but, but there's nothing we can do, you know, because there's something going on amongst this early church community. And so Paul in Galatians, uh, he, you know, he says there's neither Jew, Greek, slave, nor free, male, nor female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. And um, Paul's kind of funny. You know, over the years, people have misunderstood Paul. They've made him out uh, to be some kind of misogynist, but he's very careful in his subversion. So what does Paul do? He, you know, the, the honor shame society, you know, all the good jobs were male, all the bad jobs were either female or slave. So when Paul talks about the male jobs, courage, warfare, sonship, all of those things, what does he do? He applies those to everybody, men and women. But when he talks about the slavery roles and the giving birth roles, who does he apply them to? He applies them to him. 
I'm like a giving mother child. You know, when, when, when he goes into Ephesians 5, he puts everybody mutually submitting to one another and he, he puts Jesus doing the slave role of washing the church, you know, and doing her washing. So that's, that's what Ephesians 5 is all about. Jesus baths the church, the slavery role, uh, and, and the more female role, and he does the church's washing presents her without blemish or spot and then he says well that's husbands that's what you should do <laughs> wash your wives and do the washing <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, it's God but what, what is he saying there's this equality that's coming it's breaking the mores of society not the ones exalted over another you see male female slave and free you know Paul says to Onesimus you know you in Philemon, you know, there's no longer a slave but a brother. It's dead. All these divides that are in society, all the divides that we get around us, they're finished in Jesus. The gospel breaks them all down and brings us all into Christ, not something, in Christ, suddenly all the sins washed away, all the inequalities washed away, and then we can be who we are. We can be men, we can be women, and all the gifts that we've got that are different, so we're all different, suddenly come into their own. So we end up like this body that's doing some incredibly powerful stuff. So where does that leave us as we look into Porter Down? (laughs) Well, where it leaves us is... uh, in a pretty exciting place. Because we've been saved, <laughs> some of us, those of you are thinking, I wouldn't mind to be empowered. I, I feel controlled. Well, that's a good opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus, to, to, to open your heart so that the Spirit of God can come and do in you what he has done to millions and billions and billions and billions of people throughout history and what he's done for many of us in here where he's saved us from our past and has empowered us, breaks the victim off of us, breaks the oppression off of us, uh, and, and releases us into his life. So first of all, we've got this brilliant invitation. Come and receive the power into your life that raised Jesus from the dead. Whoopee. <laughs> Secondly, um, you, you, we have an opportunity to readjust. I think some of us are, may have been hurt by um, you know, power. So we've got a strange view on power. Um, and I think it's a good time for some healing and to, to kind of understand that, that, that the power of Jesus is really nothing to be afraid of and very, very different because Jesus comes as a servant. Jesus comes as a slave and the spirit comes to us as a dove. But when we receive that, suddenly everything in us. We've got the power and the new creation going in there and some of the dark stuff that's in our lives and the brokenness can no longer stand and, and, and we are raised up as women and men to become who we were supposed to be. And then when you put a bunch of us together as the church, you know, we know we're not quite there yet. There will come a time in the future, won't we, when things will be perfect. So, you know, I've got a lot of the, I've got a lot of the old and the new all going on at the same time. You know, it's all fighting away at me. But, you know... Uh, Jesus is winning. <laughs> and that's what Paul says. You know, outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So take a step into Jesus, yield to the power of God, and let him win in your life. And when we've got a community of us 
doing that, then we can make a difference. So get yourself in Jesus to get yourself empowered. Secondly, if you've got some brokenness there, let's deal with that. Thirdly, if you've got power, (laughs) you know, I don't know, in the workplace, in whatever, you know that God has given you something there. Um, Now's the time to make sure you get that in in the Jesus lens. You let God take power of that. And then at the same time as a community, we say, empower us by your spirit, Lord, because then we can do some incredible things. Then people around us will be saying, okay, you know, say that again. You know, we're in a situation where there's somebody who's not a believer who kind of wants to, to give us a, a building resource in Chichester, and, and she can't believe it. She keeps coming back and saying, so, so tell me what you do as a church. So tell me your history as a church. Tell, tell me what, you know, she said, I'm not interested in resourcing a church, but tell me about all the things that you've done in the community over the years. And she's like, I can't get over this. And, and, and that's, that's the kind of impact that we will have. And it's always... It's always it's the gospel to the poor. It's the gospel to the hungry. It's the gospel to those that are open. And so we've got a lot to give, Paul, haven't we? Wow! It's, it's incomparably great power for us who believes. And to see that and to live in it and to flow in that power, we need to have a complete uh, wash of our minds, as Paul says, renewing of our minds, get some Trinity in there, get some Jesus in there. And, and then as we go as a family and as a community together, uh, we will see some incredible stuff happen. Why don't we stand and pray together? Now I'm going to hand to Alan, who's going to help us forward. <laughs> uh. I did this to uh, a similar thing, a little bit different to this, uh, to a bunch of uh, MPs and aspiring politicians a a while back. It was uh, a very interesting session. (laughs) Uh, Let's open our hearts. Where are you right now? Where are you right now? Are you needing to give your life to Jesus? Are you needing to lay aside some of the stuff where you've been hurt and, and allow God to empower you by the Spirit? Or are you someone who you know that God has given power to and uh, you want to make sure that Jesus is Lord? Are you someone who's just saying, Lord, I need more of your spirit. This is the time for me to receive more of your Holy Spirit that I can be and go. So let's just open our hearts just for a second. and I'm going to pray for all of us. You are wonderful. Lord, you are more loving and beautiful and gentle and powerful than we could ever imagine. You are light beyond measure. You are beauty. You are truth. Yet you 
have tasted everything we've ever experienced, but more. You've been to the darkest. You've laid everything aside in order that we could be lifted again. In order again that you could give us the robe, you could give us the ring, you could lift our hearts and lift our eyes, and that you could delight in every single one of us, living as your daughter and as your son, doing what we were called to do, becoming who we were always intended to be. So, Lord, regardless of where anyone is right now, Come, Holy Spirit. Welcome people into the family of God right now. Bring your healing. Reform and renew those that have areas of power. And for all of us, Lord, we pray for more of your spirit. Because we know that we're supposed to try really hard, which is great. But in the end, <laughs> we do that because we love you, not because we have to. Everything happens by your spirit in the end. And so we embrace that, Lord, not by might, not by strength, but by your beautiful, empowering Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Roger. Why don't you just stay standing? Um... We're going to finish and just don't really need to say anything else other than Roger's given us a brilliantly biblical, robust underpinning for everything that we feel God's calling us to be here, isn't it? People of power, but of a different kind of power because this town and this city seen many of the wrong forms of it. And uh, and so if you were any of those areas that um, Roger identified there, We'd love you to come and join with us as we remember the Lord together. Just to say, we um, we have an open table in, in the sense that there's invite and there's welcome in it. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's a meal that he told us to remember him by. If you're not a follower of Jesus, as Roger's already said, you can put your trust in him right now and partake of this meal with us. And, um, and so we're going to remember Jesus um, maybe Chris has asked a few people just to go and help serve at the locations. We've got two locations at the front and two locations at the back. And uh, if, yeah, if they, if they want to go and do that, and um, I'm going to just give thanks for the bread and the cup. Is that all right? And then Dossie's going to lead us in a song, just the way we're going to do this. And as he sings, just feel free to come out of your seats, take um, of the bread and of the cup, and you can go back to your seat if you like and just... There, quietly remember the Lord, and then I'll come up and pray once everyone's been served. Is that okay?